0: Welcome to episode number 68, Abuse, Millstones and Mercy, Mental Illness with a Cause. I am your host, Damon Soka. Before I get started today, I would like to issue a quick warning, if that is the appropriate word. Today's episode will cover mental illness from the perspective of cause, meaning I intend to cover abusive experiences that often contribute to a more temporary or even a permanent form of mental illness. Those causes... Often involve abuse in all of its terrible forms, and that can be a very sensitive topic for many people. And I do not desire to create increased distress for anyone who has suffered at the hands of an abuser. So, thus, my warning. Now, I happen to be reading the news this week. I generally like the news and browse through articles, searching for good stories and content that might be helpful or useful to myself or others. Now, while I enjoy the news, there are often heart wrenching stories that seem to tug. At the innermost feelings of the heart my topic comes from a story this week of madeline sagstrom she is currently a pro golfer on the lpga tour unfortunately her story is all too familiar in our current society she was sexually abused by a family friend at age seven like many young women and some young men she buried the experience inside herself physically and emotionally and returned home as, as if nothing had happened at least, that was what her intent was. However, much later in life, on the golf course, the abuse she experienced so long ago came to the surface. She was having serious difficulties controlling her emotions on the golf course, and it was affecting her professional career. She was encouraged by her coach at the time to look inward for the cause of the emotional distress she was having. And Once she did truthfully look inward, these are the words she wrote. I had no idea how being sexually abused by a man i trusted affected me all those years i blamed myself i hated myself i despised my body and hurt myself mentally and physically that day haunted me i had nightmares about it and did everything i could to escape unfortunately madeline is not alone in her suffering while statistics vary about 12 to 15 percent of young women suffer sexual abuse by someone they trust and about 2% of young men. If you expand those statistics to cover all types of sexual abuse or intimate partner abuse at all ages, the numbers expand to 50% for women and 20% of men. Many of those cases will lead to various forms of mental illness, both mild and severe. Now, if you expand the suffering of abuse to include verbal and emotional, then you will have covered nearly everyone in the U.S. and the world. what is important to understand about abuse is that it leaves damage that can hide under the emotional and mental surface for years, seriously affecting a person's perspective of themselves, of their life, and their future. And it will often affect relationships, personality traits, feelings of self-worth and self-acceptance, feelings of belonging, feelings of happiness, peace, and love. Abuse can live just under the surface of the subconscious for many years and cause mental and emotional chaos while not even surfacing as the direct cause of those problems. Abuse can take many forms, such as bullying, criticizing, demoralizing, dehumanizing, consistent negative persuasions, removing a sense of freedom, monetary bullying, physical punishment, doesn't have to be significant like bruises or scarring, can even be things such as pulling hair, poking, and almost any type of negative behavior that causes a reaction or perception, a negative reaction or perception of oneself or one's actions. This can and often lives in the form of humor and jesting about physical features, speech, inability to socialize, and just so many other ways. One of the important factors of abuse is that often the abuser does not consider themselves abusive. They often see no wrong in their behavior because many times they are perpetuating something that they experienced themselves. However, it's important to note that abuse is not defined by the abuser, it is defined by the victim. This means that though it may not be abusive to the abuser, and even if the abuser was once a victim, the action taken is abusive, if the action taken is abusive to the victim, then it is considered abuse. Abuse is destructive in its nature, and is it's intent to selfishly satisfy the needs of the abuser in some form. In almost all forms, the abuser does have some type of control over the victim, and the control is one of the major identities that the abuser seeks. The abuser may even attempt to redirect the abuse as respect or other types of moral control and seek to enforce this respect by some sort of negative reinforcement, but that does not re- reclassify it abuse is abuse no matter how it is twisted or contorted now i could talk about the many forms of abuse during this entire podcast and probably not even scratch the surface of the many possibilities and the experiences of those people out there the important things to remember about abuse is that first it is defined by the victim just because the abuser does not think that they are abusive does not mean that the abuse, the abuse is not occurring second it is destructive in nature Its intent is always selfishly motivated by the need for control of someone else's agency in some form, and it creates damage to mental, emotional, and sometimes even physical systems of the victim. Abuse is abuse, even if the victim ignores it and walks away from it. It is also important to understand that damage can last a lifetime. And healing is dependent upon several important factors, such as recognition of the abuse, discussion of that abuse with someone who can help, and, of course, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, today I want to look at abuse that causes damage, that leaves behind a wake of negative consequences, that takes something away from the victim and leaves them damaged emotionally and mentally. The damage can be small and somewhat insignificant to serious and deep emotional and mental difficulties that last for years and even a lifetime. What I hope from my discussion today is to help those who suffer understand that that damage can be repaired, emotional pain can be removed, scars can be healed, forgiveness granted, and hearts removed from suffering. The Lord takes abuse very seriously and has even noted that offending children, what we would call innocent victims, provides for potent penalties. The Lord did not mince words when he gave the following counsel to his disciples in Luke 17, 1 and 2. Now it reads as follows. Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. The scripture delineates two ideas. One, that a fallen world will have abusive situations, and second, that serious punishments await those who commit violations of the sacred trust and confidence given to them by the innocent victims. As for the abuser, there always exists a pathway back to eternal life, but it will likely not be an easy one. The Lord does not take lightly. Uh, Abuse and repentance is likely to be a serious process of recognition, rectification, and realignment of one's life. The Lord fully understands the impacts that abuse has on the life of the victim, and even those who are not victims, but witnesses, family, friends. One does not even have to know that the abuse has occurred to someone, and you may still be simply swept up in the inevitable consequences that follow that abuse. Abuse hurts so many people, even outside of the one who directly suffers, it spreads its evil like the hot tar in a street engulfing any unsuspecting bystander, and most often those closest to it. Not only does the evil spread like a plague, but it runs through generations like a genetic defect. Abusers are often previous victims of abuse, and while that is never an excuse, it teaches us valuable lessons about how abuse spreads and multiplies. Abuse damages vital mental and emotional systems that can be and are difficult to repair, and even far more fully difficult to fully heal. Scars from emotional, physical, or mental abuse can stay with an individual for a lifetime and cause serious mental health challenges. It is not uncommon for abuse that happened during childhood or teenage years or even early 20s to cause serious bouts of depression, anxiety, OCD, and even bipolar disorders based on the type of abuse and severity. Abuse is a very personal and individual thing. Symptoms of mental health challenges caused by abuse are going to vary about as much as the abuse itself. Symptoms may show up as physical problems, including aches and pains of all types, nausea, lack of desire to eat, or the opposite, eating too much, fainting, physical desires of harming oneself, meaning cutting, piercing, or tattooing. Symptoms may show up socially, becoming non-communicative, reclusive, or even the opposite socially, such as indulging in risky behaviors. Symptoms can change over time and modify based on the changes of the physical body, hormonal challenges and changes, moving or location changes, and even just a matter of time. Of course, all of the normal mental illness symptoms that we would talk about all the time also apply here, including all those for depression, bipolar, anxiety, and all of their forms. Symptoms may also remain hidden for several years and then suddenly occur, based on a life event or even simply because the body is under stress. It is important to note that mental illness due to abuse comes in all types, shapes, and sizes and does not discriminate between race, culture, gender, or any other determining factor. One cannot wish it away from the body or even ignore it into oblivion. The body will determine what the symptoms will be and when they will occur. There are things that will intensify the symptoms, such as significant stress, predisposition to mental illness, or genetics, hormonal changes, and even specific events that may be linked to the abuse, such as a person, location, movies, and anything linked to the abuse by the victim. Now, the eventual outcomes of abuse will also depend upon a number of factors, including genetics, culture, social norms, personality, morality, family, friends, social status, and many other influencing factors. The one thing that can be certain is that abuse causes damage Whether the extent is small or insignificant, that damage will eventually show up in the lives of the victim. Now take for instance Madeline's case. You can see from her statement that a one-time abuse caused her serious doubts about herself and that she blamed herself, hated herself, and eventually did mental and physical harm to herself. Now no one in their right mind would say that she should blame herself, but that is often the case with victims of abuse. They feel that some part of them caused the abuser to act in the way that they did. This feeling of guilt is a natural reaction to the abuse. When we see individuals whom we look up to and to whom we seek for recognition and in whom we have placed our trust, abuse that trust in evil ways, our minds look for an answer. And all too often, the mind finds that that answer in oneself. The victim is never to be blamed for any abuse there exists no reason for abuse to occur in any form and to cause a victim to think that by their actions, the abuse came upon them, only adds salt to an already deeply cut wound. The first thing one must do to begin the process of healing from abuse is really accepting abuse for what it is and that the victim does not do, does not, or did not deserve the abuse. No one is ever deserving of abuse in any form. We can do strange things as human beings and the abused person can see abuse as actually attention and love. And they can actually become dependent upon that abuse. So that if one relationship ends, they may actually seek similar abuse in another relationship. Now, recognizing abusive behavior for what it is can be far more difficult than you might think it would be. But is it is the most important first step of the process. Speaking of the abuser and justice... The Savior taught that the abuser would face serious justice, but he did not teach that justice requires the abuser need to be abused as part of that justice. Our hearts and minds are generally attuned to justice because we are spirits of a celestial world where justice was part of our everyday life. We expect justice to be served and the guilty punished. However, in this mortal world, we often go about it in incorrect ways, seeking to punish the guilty ourselves rather than doing what the Lord asks, and that is to leave it or leave the punishment to the Lord. Understand that a desire for justice is not a problem and is a very natural feeling. However, pursuing that feeling and developing a vindictive disposition is a serious and sinful problem that that can and often does lead to dead-end roads where peace and a new life are never going to be found. It is not wrong to seek for redresses from the courts and the penal system when abuse occurs. We are asked to make sure that those who are doing wrong are brought to answer for their crimes. However, separating the idea of a loving rebuke and a revengeful punitive spirit can be difficult. If we seek for redress from the courts, it should be in the attitude of concern for the abuser, their community and their family and friends who may also be suffering at the hands of the abuser. Now, I know that sounds strange and even more difficult to comprehend that we should be concerned about the abuser. But if we do not seek redress out of concern and love, then a far more darkened purpose will envelop one's heart. And once inside the recesses of the soul, that spirit is one of the most difficult to extricate. A personal crusade by the victim with the intent to destroy will actually only destroy the victim. That is the one thing that the victim must avoid it can be extremely difficult to leave that punishment alone and with the Lord. We have often suffered at the hand of the abuser deep and lasting emotional, mental, and even often physical pain. The eye-for-an-eye type of retort can feel from the outside looking in as though it might provide some healing or benefit to the wounded soul. The truth of the matter is that no amount of punishment of the abuser will heal a victim's wounds. Justice, unfortunately, does not provide for peace of the abused. It was never meant to. Its intent is to provide learning to the abuser and to correct their actions. Now, justice has always been a method by which the Lord rules the expansive universe, and he holds it in his hand. Justice provides consequential counteractions to correct correct bad behavior and seeks to protect the innocent from further harm. Mercy is actually the healing balm that is applied to the victim that will bring solace and peace. When the Savior entered the garden to apply himself to the broken law, it was to fully understand sin in a way that we could never understand it. He had to fully comprehend the damage of the innocent victim and the evil of the sinner, and the intent was to provide the sinner correction and to make the innocent victim whole. Mercy, brought about by that atonement of Jesus Christ is what we should seek if we desire to overcome wounds inflicted by those whom we have trusted. It is free to the innocent victim, for the most part. There is no requirements other than to ask for it. Yes, it does require faith in the Lord and understanding of the purpose of the atonement of Jesus Christ. But beyond those simple actions, the Lord freely gives this healing balm to those who need it. Now, I do not say that Now I say that with the caveat that we cannot hold on to that evil spirit of revenge if we desire healing. Healing and a vengeful spirit can never mix. For the vengeful spirit drives out the very spirit that would heal you. Now yes, we certainly can ask for that vengeful spirit to be removed and the mercy of the Lord will also drive out that spirit and heal us. But we must be truthful in our desire, honest and sincere about our desire to leave it to the Lord. Now I say... Much of this with some understanding of what it takes to leave matters to the Lord. However, I know that there are many who have experienced far greater trials of abuse than I. No matter the abuse, if you can go to the Lord with the faith that you have and seek for healing, that healing will come. Now, there is a matter of forgiveness, and and then I would like to really end my discussion today with some words regarding the mental illness and healing. Forgiveness may be one of the most difficult things you do in this life. I have a top three things of difficult things to do and forgiveness of an abuser or another person who has wronged you is the first is in first place for me, um, followed by forgiving myself and third, allowing others to have agency. Yes, the Lord does require you to forgive and he has said so very pointedly in the Doctrine and Covenants. He also notes that there are no exceptions to that rule. Judgment is his and his alone. However, there are some things you should understand about that forgiveness. first is that the Lord does not expect you to continue to suffer and remain in an abusive situation. Turning the cheek again and again is also not the intent of that phrase. That is not the intent of the forgiveness rule. You have every right to remove yourself from the abuse. Second, forgiveness is simply that you come to the point of understanding mortal failings and to have concern for the salvation of the abuser. What do I mean by this? And when I served as bishop, I had a few divorced women in my ward. And the one thing that helped me more fully understand forgiveness was that almost without exception, even when the husband had left the relationship, the women were more concerned for their salvation, were continued to be concerned for their salvation. Yes, the women were often deeply hurt, and this didn't mean that they were going to be married to them again, but it meant that they continued to be concerned for the salvation of their souls despite the problems that had occurred. Now, I believe that if you can genuinely genuinely feel as though you have concern for the salvation of the abuser, then you have the spirit of forgiveness within you. Now, sometimes the pain that was caused by the abuse may take longer to heal than the spirit of forgiveness. As long as the pain does not drive out the spirit of love and concern, that pain will heal in time. And the pain can be separated from the dark, vindictive, and that pain can be separate from the dark vindictive spirit. Even once you have forgiven the abuser, you may have moments when Lucifer tempts you to pick up that old grievance and to kick it around a while. You may still have tears, pain, hurt, and symptoms of mental illness. You may have issues visiting certain places, being around the person, being in similar situations. This is all very understandable and part of the process, and it is not sinful to feel those things. Do not think that because you can't be anywhere near the person that you haven't forgiven them. A trust has been deeply broken, and pain will take time to heal. And we, by nature, human beings, avoid pain. And we should avoid placing ourselves back into that pain until we are ready. And that might not be in this lifetime. Forgiveness is about seeking the abuser's salvation. And avoiding the pitfalls found in revenge and seeking for blood we cannot seek for another's pain and heal our own pain now i still carry scars around with me scars will always exist but in time they will be just scars without pain for wounds to heal and scars to remain without pain the savior's atoning blood must heal the wound now that healing may come all at once although That type of miracle can be rarer than you think. More likely, it will come pieces at a time. And one day, there will simply be no more pain. Allow the Lord to work in your life at the pace He and you decide. Do not think that you have to meet a particular timeline. Let your body heal as it heals. Get the extra help you need through therapy, friends, family, church leaders, and those who love you. And I cannot promise you when the full healing will come, but I can promise you there will be a day when it will. Now, a word about mental illness. Mental illness is simply a symptom of mental, emotional, and physical abuse. It is your body telling you that you have an issue that needs resolution. Not all mental illness is caused by abuse or trauma or even by an exterior source. However, damage done by others to the soul can cause serious symptoms to occur, and they may show up long after the abuse or trauma. You can see this in the original story about Madeline, when she was abused at seven, but it did not show up till she was about 26 years old. If you feel that this might be the case, the best thing you can do is to go see what I call brain trainers, psychologists, counselors, or therapists. Allow them to help you through the process. Now, the church provides for these counselors everywhere. They can to help with mental illness and other problems. There is no shame in seeking them out. Often your bishop can be helpful to you in this. Understand that they are part of the medicine that the Lord has provided here on the earth. The next thing you can do is to understand that often abuse takes time to process and to heal after one has begun to work with it and resolve the concerns. There should be no reason that you need to face such issues alone. And my next suggestion would be to find someone with whom you can confide confide, and who can help you when things get a little tough. And they are likely to get tough once in a while. Finally, I probably can't say this enough. The Lord is infinitely merciful and kind. He will provide almost anything you need if you will but ask. Even if you have to say that you are struggling with forgiveness and prayer and even believing that He lives and loves you. The Lord already knows this and what ails you. Be forthright, honest, and respectful, and you will find gentleness, mercy, and kindness of the grandest nature. He is fully ready to heal you and protect you, protect and guide you to that peace you seek. Now, I'm going to end today with something that Madeline actually said in her article. She said this, I'm telling this story, but what I want to focus on and what I want to share with people is it's the steps that I've done afterwards, the decisions that I have decided to do to grow. It's not about what happened. It's about how did I grow out of this and how did I become the version that I am today? Now may you find the peace in your story and may you fight so that the Lord can do his part. We will talk to you next week.